0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: Every single meeting begins with what's one way in which you embodied one of our values in the last week, and what's one way that you could have done better as as it pertains to one of our values.
0: Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Michael Sonberg. Michael is the founder and CEO of two different companies. Michael has a lot of great stories and tips to establish a solid foundation for growing a business. In this episode, we discuss why you need to believe in your vision to be successful, how to correctly use your vision and values in your business, and the importance of focusing on impact versus income. This is another episode packed with entrepreneurial wisdom and tips. Let's chat with Michael. Hey, Michael, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Tyler. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm really looking forward to our
0: conversation. Hey, I always like to start out, what, what do you do for a living? Kind of what got you here type of thing? Can you share a little bit about you?
1: Sure, sure. So I'm, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a coach. I, uh, I'm the CEO and founder of two companies. The most recent is Rebel Culture. We coach business leaders to prioritize culture over everything try and create the kinds of environments for their employees that employees really want to be a part of. Uh, And that was born out of a company that I've been the CEO and founder of for a while now, which is called Skyrocket Education, which we work directly with school leaders and teachers across the country. We have some international partnerships as well, and we coach those folks up to be as effective as possible. Those are in urban school districts, traditionally underserved school districts, and uh, making sure that kids for whom the the playing field isn't always level, is, uh, is getting more, more level based on the work that we're doing out there.
0: That's awesome. What a cool space to be in. I'd love to start with your story. So I think that always kind of sets things up really well in terms of going through, through our discussion. So what I'd love to start with is when you started your business, kind of take me back to when you started your business, what you were going through, some of the challenges you faced. I'd love to start a conversation that way.
1: Well, I don't recommend that your listeners do what I did. I had an idea and nothing else. I had no business plan. I had no capital. I didn't have a ton of assets, but I knew that I could make a difference for school leaders and teachers in places where uh, support is not often all that available, and as a as a result, make a difference for for students, you know, families. Uh, in those neighborhoods as well. And so I said, I think I have a, an easier and more precise way to develop teacher skill through the school leader. And so I, I started Skyrocket Education with no money. I had to borrow uh, money from my little sister to pay the first few mortgage payments, which was humbling. And I had uh, two little kids at home, a, a three-and-a-half-year-old, a one-and-a-half-year-old, and a, and a pregnant wife. Who uh, thought I was crazy but believed believed in what I believed in so anyway I wouldn't suggest that folks do it the way I did it, but it speaks to a lot of what I'm probably going to talk about on your show which is just a belief a belief in in making change for people a belief in uh, the vision that I have and wanting to you know wanting to impact people in a really positive way
0: yeah I love As much as it's not an ideal way to start a business, (laughs) I love hearing the story because I feel like so many of us sometimes do overcome those challenges initially. And I always go like, well, what if you didn't take that chance? What if you didn't take that risk? And you did, and and you got over the hump. And I think that's what's so cool about it. It's um, Sometimes conditions aren't ideal to do things.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, look, uh, i walked away from a six-figure job to do this. And I mean, so, you know, how could you have a 6 year job and not have a lot of capital? I mean, I had a little bit of money, but like, it's not like we had you know months and months of reserves. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it was like there was no choice. Uh, I didn't have a choice in the matter. Uh, yeah. It was going to happen, and um, I just had to figure it out.
0: Now, you got hit with a couple other challenges too. You went into a legal challenge, if I remember correctly, that was related to your IP. Can you kind of share that story because that was like another curveball that was thrown at you?
1: Yeah, I think it's important for. Your listeners to to hear this because yeah I I'd hired some consultants to coach school leaders using our model at Skyrocket and after a year and they were fine and they were good but after a year I said hey I want I want to go in a different direction I actually want to have you know full time folks folks who are on the Skyrocket team versus you know kind of hired you know hired guns for lack of a better term and they understood that but basically said hey we're going to continue coaching people using your your IP, um, using your model. And basically there's, there's nothing you're going to do about it. And I, uh, I got lawyers involved to the point of, you know, we did all our due diligence on the front end, but we never mounted a legal challenge because from what I understood, they, uh, using our stuff, they wound up getting about $40,000 from uh, a couple different partners and, um, My my, the legal team said, Hey, it's going to cost you at least a hundred grand to even mount this challenge. And I had this like moment, uh, I had this breakthrough Uh, at first. I I mean, I wanted, I wanted revenge, man. I mean, not legal revenge, nothing worse than that. But I had this moment of like, Hey man, a $40,000 is going to break the business. You know, you might not be cut out for this. And so I, I walked away and, uh, never heard from them again or never saw them again. And don't know what they're up to now, but I'm glad I took that route. I'm glad we we're able to, you know, overcome that and uh, achieve, you know, pretty incredible success in spite of it. Yeah, that
0: that legal revenge is a tough one because you know I've been there and I've known so many people. And a lot of times people do, they'll, in spite of themselves, they'll go down the legal path. They'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Even if they win a judgment, a lot of times they can't even, whoever they win it with can't even pay them anyway. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, not to mention the stress, the loss of time. So, wow, good, good move for you to kind of be able to reflect back on that. I know it's hard to do, but you know to reflect back on that and do the right thing for your business and your
1: sanity. Yeah. And I think it, you know, I really do believe that, you know, there's a learning in everything. And I think for me, that was, you know, so just from the very very like technical transactional sense, we put, you know, we put uh, legal warnings on all of our, on all of our uh, IP to download. Our stuff is free on our website, but to download it, you now have to sign an agreement that says you're not going to use it for your own profit. Uh, so there was that learning in it. But I, then I think there was the other learning of like, you know, just, uh, you know, what really matters here and, you know, people much more successful than me have lost a lot more than that. And uh, what are you, what are you made of, man? What are you, you know, who are you willing to be when things aren't, when things aren't great and take the high road and wish them luck? I mean, not to their faces. We didn't speak and right. I was advised not to do that, but hey, like good luck. I hope it works out for you. And I think, you know, the ultimately folks, if you're, if you're not authentic, people find out, right. You you can, you can milk that for a little while, but if it's not, if you're faking it, if it's not your stuff, if you're dishonest with people, right, you can, you can continue that for a little while, but eventually people are going to find out. And, you know, from what I heard through the grapevine that, that, that happened in some regard to at least one of the, one of the people I'm not, I wasn't ever rooting for that, but for me, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to operate in the way that I operate. If other people don't operate in the same way, that's uh, that's their prerogative. But I'm not going to change who I am because somebody else did something that was uh, shady.
0: Yeah, I have that belief too. It'll catch up with you. I mean, like if yeah. you're not being who you are, be able to fake it for a while, but it circles back. I don't know where or when, but it's <laughs> got to be who you are, right? Yeah. So, hey, I want that brings up though, when you bring up authenticity, it makes me think about, uh, values and vision, because I know this is a big deal to you. Yeah, can you talk to me in your own company? Like, how do you define your values and vision? Kind of share with me, maybe what you guys define as your own values, and then also your vision. Would you be open to sharing that?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, my my belief is, and what I practice in real time is that vision uh, drive, vision and values drive everything. I'll speak to skyrocket. You know, our our vision is to dramatically improve student outcomes in urban areas through the most precise and intense teacher and leader coaching models in the country. And we are unwavering in that. And some of our values are around being mission-driven. So if something comes up and we start to get... So not only do we have the 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 vision, the mission, but then it's like, are we driven by that? And our our actions daily, weekly, monthly basis in line with that. If they're not, we give each other feedback on that piece. One of them is keep it simple. That's a huge thing for me. Folks like to come in with lots of documents and lots of systems and lots of spreadsheets, and that's fine, but is that going to be the best thing for us to achieve our goals? Is it going to be the best thing for our partners? We have Find A Way, uh, which I love. For folks listening who are thinking about you know, incorporating uh, values in your organization, something like Find A Way or Be Solutions oriented or something like that is invaluable because on our team nobody would ever ever drop a hand grenade in the middle of the room and say like, I don't think that's gonna work. They'll say I don't think that's going to work and then they'll say here are three things that I think would be better than that and that is the difference between like a conversation stopping and a conversation you know really exploding in a really positive way so you know all of our, our all of our evaluations were centered around values and vision. Our conversations, our, send, our shout outs, and my weekly email is around values and vision. Our, our just our, our interactions on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. I'll say something to the team like, "Hey, I want to." They'll say something to one of the people on the team like, "Hey, I just want to thank you for embodying our value of sky high integrity. Um, you were like three minutes late to our meeting, and and you owned it and committed to committed to doing better next time. And I really appreciate that." And, you know, the what the values let us do, and I, I see the biggest mistake, and, you know, I spend a lot of time in, in both rebel culture and skyrocket digging into these things, but that leaders, regardless of, of sector, regardless of industry, and regardless of size and all these different things, they haven't figured out in many places a way to make the easy stuff easy. And so they're finding themselves having conversations all the time, like, oh, why aren't people meeting deadlines? And like, I can't believe that. I can't believe they didn't know not to do that. And like people on the team are gossiping and like you know they're negative with each other and they're like all these different things that we've figured out and i'm not saying we invented it lots of folks who've done it before us but what we've figured out and nobody would ever do that stuff on our team and not in like a dictatorial you're in trouble if you do but more in like a hey like that's just not how we operate and we agreed that we're going to operate in this way so i mean it's the first thing i ask anybody we partner with well it's the second thing the first thing i say is like What's your vision for yourself as a leader? Are you perceived in the way that you want to be perceived? What are the things that you care about maniacally? What are the things that you don't really care about, right? And so like there's so many leaders haven't fleshed that out, but from there we can start to and we start to get into what are you all trying to accomplish? What's your business? What's the impact you're trying to you're trying to achieve? And from there we get to like, "All right, what are your vision and values?" Many times folks don't have them. Sometimes they have them and they reference them when you're hired and then never again. And people don't operate in a way that's consistent with them. And so that's problematic, equally problematic.
0: Yeah. And that's where I was going to take the question because you you guys have some great examples. How do you make it so it's not a piece of paper that you hand the new hire during an onboarding process? And then that's the only time that it ever gets brought up your values. Can you yeah. give... I know email is one way. I think you bring it up in your meetings regularly, don't you? Your your team meetings?
1: Yeah, I mean, every single meeting begins with what's one way in which you embodied one of our values in the last week and what's one way that you could have done better as it's, as it pertains to one of our values. You know, these things, Tyler, have to be engineered. But that doesn't just happen naturally. A lot of times I'll be working with a leader and they'll say, yeah, like our, our team did a good job at blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, what value does that align to? And they're like, uh, and they're like, uh. And I'm like, collaboration? They're like, collaboration? I'm like, good, call it that. Right. Like it's the same thing. You just said that the teamwork worked really well together. That's great. What value does it align to, right? Because you have to engineer these things. Otherwise, to your point, it's a piece of paper and nothing more. And so team meetings and emails and shout-outs, right? Feedback, evaluations, just in passing. As somebody in our team, you know, figured something out the other day and I texted, like, great job at finding a way, right? I could have said, like, great job at great job at, at, at working that out. Right. But like, no, finding the ways is our value. And you do that and it starts to become normalized and people start to really internalize the stuff, but it, but it has to be engineered. My, from my experience, it doesn't happen naturally. We're just not used to talking in the, in those ways. And then what we, we run the risk of is using what we call imprecise language. We're, we're saying maybe the same thing, but we're not saying it in a way that is wholly aligned to what we said we were trying to accomplish, right? So we're saying that a team works well together, but man, one of our values is collaboration. And what a miss there, right? It seems like they're, it seems so close, but it's, it's really not because when you say works well together, everyone shrugs their shoulders and says, cool. You say like, Hey, you all embodied our value of, of collaboration right there. Everyone's like, yeah, we did. Heck yeah. You know that sign on the wall. Yeah. We're doing what that sign says. Awesome. Like this rocks to work here. Uh, and we just don't see enough of it, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, it seems so simple, but it like makes that term using collaboration as an example. It makes it a living, breathing term, like in a way. I mean, I know that sounds a little silly, but it just brings it to life.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's in a lot of ways, it's the leadership. I say this all the time. It's it's PR in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, You're right, like in this right. constant mission of you know doing public relations for your vision for your organization for your values and the more you can brand things i mean nike doesn't have a swoosh on one sneaker and maybe there's the jordan logo but it's for the most part it's the same thing i'm sure they could design brilliant looking sneakers that don't have anything to do with either of those logos but then you wouldn't know it's nike right and then it's like well that's less interesting to me I mean, at least for most people, some people might like that it's a little bit different, but there's a consistency with the swoosh. There's a consistency with like, oh, this is what I get when I see this brand, when I buy this brand, etc. It's the same thing with working in an organization. You're, you're putting these kind of like, you know, these, these continual kind of like North Stars out for folks and saying like, here's what we're trying to get to. And the more you can say, hey, we did a, <laughs> I mean, honestly, we did a great job in that last meeting of embodying our value of being solutions oriented right and like wow folks are like wow holy cow that's we did do that right yeah. and it starts to become this thing that just repeats in people's in people's heads and, and you start to have to say it less and folks just embody the stuff
0: right you
1: now people say to me all the time like how do i get my team to stop gossiping about each other how do i get them to stop being negative I'm like what are your what are your values oh we don't have any great you can't until you do that otherwise you're having tons of one off conversations until you're willing to say here's how we operate here and by the way i want your feedback I want everyone to, I want everyone to have a voice here, but here's where we're gonna land, right? Until you do that, you're just having one-off conversations. It's like your neighbor coming over. I say it all the time. It's like your neighbor coming over and saying, Hey, how come you haven't mowed my lawn this week? And you're like, Well, that's we didn't agree to that. I never said I would do that, versus like, hey, I agreed to that with my neighbor. I might, it might be annoying. And my worst moments, it might be like, Man, I wish I didn't agree that. But it's like, hey, your neighbor comes over, hey, how come you didn't mow my lawn this week? Say, You're right. I apologize. Let me get to it right now. It's much easier to have that second conversation than it is to have the first one. Hey, this
0: is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to $25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I want to help stuck business owners that want to scale, but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in 5 roadmap, and you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55444 and type the word scale and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox
1: man, I wish I didn't agree that. But it's like, hey, your neighbor comes over. Hey, how come you didn't mow my lawn this week? Say, so you're right. I apologize. Let me get to it right now. It's much easier to have that second conversation than it is to have the first one.
0: I want to dig a little bit deeper on this issue of culture. You know, One thing I heard you say, and you were just using this as an example, but I think it's a good thing to dig into. You mentioned someone maybe being three minutes late for a meeting and then being accountable to that. Yeah. What do you think drives a good culture? Obviously, the values and vision, but beyond that, are there some things that really stand out for you that's going to really drive your culture?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not what most people think it is. It's not yeah. gift cards and parties and you know summer Fridays. Um, those things can have value, but overwhelmingly, people report to us, employees report to us, that when a team, when a leader communicates poorly or not at all, right? When there's no when a meetings are, are aren't agenda driven and they don't really accomplish much. And it feels like it could just have been an email, if that. When I don't get coaching or feedback, right? I mean, 58% of employers say they give enough feedback. That's self-reported. The, the number is stagged, much lower than that based on my observations. And employees say, I think it's something like 30% of employees say they get enough feedback. And so when folks are giving you know, gift cards, but what I just mentioned is the reality it actually rings really hollow and it it makes people, quite frankly, pissed off. And so those things are fine that I mentioned, gift cards, parties, et cetera, incentives. Sure. As long as the other things are in place. And it, it starts with a really clear, like vision and mission aligned organization where the values live and they're consistently referenced. And everybody feels like they're a part of something. The next step is really clear expectations. You know, something like 60% of the current workforce is doing a different role than what they were hired to do. I don't mean that they were promoted or they've been like, they basically were told you're doing X when you're hired. And now there's a bunch of different things that have been added to their plates, but it hasn't been communicated. And so there's a lack of clarity around what do I actually do here? Is that my job now? You've seen this, Tyler. I've seen I've seen it hundreds of times. People say, like, I don't really know what my job is. You say to somebody, hey, describe your job. Give me everything you do in 30 seconds or less, right? Folks are like, oh, like they it's hard for people to do because there's so much going on. I say, what are the goals? What are you all trying to achieve? A lot of times they're unclear. And so we, we start with our vision and values. We move to like making sure expectations are crystal clear. And that includes things like being on time for meetings and responding to emails in a, you know, 48 hours or whatever it is. And of course, things like running highly effective meetings and making sure that like all of our meetings look really similar, if not the same. And making sure that we use the same language aside from your style versus my style when we're when we're making a sale, right? Or when we're pitching something. And then the third thing, right? So we have vision and values. We have really clear expectations. We call it impeccable clarity. The next piece is around is around feedback and coaching. Uh, telling people how, like observing people as they're doing the stuff, collecting data on, it, right? Making sure that it's hard to do that if, if you haven't set what it's supposed to look like. But once you've set what it's supposed to look like, you get to observe people doing the thing. And then the last piece is what we call level setting, which is like, hey, Tyler, I want to give you some feedback. Here are the places where you're doing incredibly well. I want to align that to our our goals and to our values. Let me give you some feedback. Boom, 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 boom. And then, hey, here are some places where I want us to push your practice. And you align those to vision, values, expectations as well. Those are the places that have the strongest cultures. You can add some gift cards on top of that if you'd like, but it's not the thing that drives it. And a lot of leaders don't get that.
0: Yeah, it kind of gets mixed up. On that, you mentioned powerful meetings. Do you have a little, uh, maybe quick summary of what makes for powerful meetings? I'd love to just drill into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, man. Agenda-driven. So there's got to be an agenda. It's got to be shared out with the team 24 hours in advance. Every section has to be timed, right? So here's what we're working on. Uh, And by the way, a lot of people won't review it in advance, but it it forces the leader to be super prepared. Or by the way, whoever's leading the meeting, every section's timed. So like introduction, three minutes, like shout outs, four minutes, right? Like goal reports, right? And everybody shares out how they're doing specific to their goals. The leader should have, or whoever's running lead on the meeting should have their, whatever their phone is, their iPhone, their Android, whatever out with a timer going and saying, okay, great, uh, Tyler, report out about X. You have three minutes on the clock, ready, set, go. At the end of it, uh, and folks, even if your department's not sharing at that point, everybody should be asked to engage. So if Tyler's sharing out about sales, but I work in marketing, I'm asked to while you're sharing, jot down one thing that resonates. One push I have for you, right? The person who's running the meeting say, "Michael, give us a push for for Tyler." Boom, got it. Everybody's engaged. There should be outcomes. What are we getting better at in this meeting? What are we driving at? There should be skill development when needed, right? So, like, hey, folks, I listen to a bunch of your uh, whatever. It I listen to a bunch of your pitches. There's a piece we're missing as a team. Some folks are stronger than others. That's fine. I want to model this for you. We're going to do some practicing with each other. In this meeting, at the end, next steps should be relayed really clearly. Folks should put things on calendars. No, like, hey, Michael, send me that thing when you can. No, Michael, when can you send me the thing? Thursday. Thursday, what time? Thursday and today? Get more specific. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern? Great. Uh, <laughs> let me put it on your calendar right now. It takes, it makes the easy stuff easy, as I mentioned earlier. Now we can focus on the actual work, which is is the hard stuff. Uh, and at the end of the meeting, the, the person running the meeting synthesizes what happened. And we we high five and move on.
0: Wow. So I, I'm hearing accountability, engagement, communication, preparation. Yeah. Yeah, uh, cooperation, collaboration. Do you ever have people that you hire within your own company that really don't want to play to that tune? Does that come up very often? No. Or is your onboarding your interviewing process pretty solid?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. Yeah. The interview process has to mimic what it's gonna look like to be on the team, mm. right? So if you have a data. A really data focused team. There should be tons of work around data in the interview process. Maybe not the first time, but if the person makes it to the second level, right? Now we're now we're doing some sort of data analysis. They've got to create a report, some sort of performance task. If feedback matters to you and coaching, embed coaching and feedback into the process. Let somebody know exactly what they're getting into because the worst thing that could happen, you know, it's much easier to say no to somebody before they start than to have to say no to them 18 months in when you're like yeah i knew this wasn't right my head an inkling, no like actually mimic what it's going to be like to work in your place and i've actually been on in interviews where feedback for a company where feedback really mattered and being open to feedback and the idea of continuous improvement by the way another great value that folks can use in their in their companies where continuous improvement really mattered to the team and so they would have people do a complete a performance task and then they would give them feedback. And what mattered more than how well the performance task was done was how receptive to feedback they were. And so somebody could nail the performance task. But if, the, if in the feedback process, they were like, well, I don't really agree with that. Or if they weren't nodding or they weren't writing anything down, that was a big one. If they weren't writing anything down. Folks got eliminated right away, even if they had tons of, tons of potential and tons of talent.
0: Wow. Do you believe in personality testing, any of these forms of like disc or whatever, when you uh, bring people into the organization? Where do you stand on that?
1: I am mostly ambivalent on that. I think it's fine if that's something that leaders care about. I am more interested in the fact that I see people, particularly leaders, use those reports to say, well, I am just X. And so my behavior, you know, I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. So I can't engage my employees. Nonsense. It might be harder for you, but that's, I don't know, it's harder for me to play basketball than it is for LeBron James. I still play, right? Like, I mean, right. like, come on, like you've got to do X thing. And I don't, the, probably not the best example because I don't actually have to play basketball, right? But right. leaders have to lead in a certain way. And if you're passing the buck or you're not engaging people in a certain way and you're saying it's because, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that based on a test. I'm not, I'm not a fan.
0: Yeah. I got a couple more questions for you. Please. Quick one, just in terms of your own business challenges. Do you have anything? What are you looking ahead, kind of goals? And what do you see as business challenges looking ahead?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, look, uh, the there's a lot of people competing for a lot, of, a lot of eyeballs, right? Right. And the days of kind of building a slow building, uh, slowly building an, an organization and um, you know, making X amount per year. And, and, um, I'm not saying they're behind us, but it's just not really the way most people are doing it. And so for me, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, how willing and able to, to really engage on social media am I? Is that the route for my organization? Is it more that we would just continue for my organizations? Is it more that we continue really word of mouth, high quality service? And so I think that, you know, I am engaged on social media. I'm probably not the best at it, but. I think there's there's a challenge around that that it will eventually get to a rub there when it's like either we're going all in on this this one thing or or not,
0: yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, there's definitely do you go all in on social media in terms of being visible, or are there other channels for better quality, or you know, does it bring better quality business other channels versus social media? It's, it's an interesting one. I even in my own practice, I struggle with how visible I want to be versus other channels that I have. So I can relate to that. Um, hey, last thing I wanted to end with. I always love to end with a business tip or a life tip. Anything off the top of your head that you can share with us and maybe we can apply?
1: Yeah, I mean, impact over income. I know people have to pay their bills and, and people have to make money and I get it. And I like money. Uh, I like making money <laughs> uh, for anybody listening who's like, hey, I want to start a business like impact over income. What are you trying to accomplish? The money will come if you're doing the right thing and you do it really well. Don't make that the first thing you're you're driving at. I've seen too many people try that. and They want to develop the new app, but they don't really care about the thing. They just think it'll make them a lot of money. It, it almost always fails. What are you trying to accomplish? What's the impact you're looking to have on the world? Put that first impact first and income
0: will come next. Yeah, I love that. One of my favorite phrases you just used is the money will come. I think people might not always understand that, but it is true. You do the right thing, you do something you're excited about, most of the time the money will come.
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes to our first one of our first conversations today. If you are the real deal, I want to be careful because I'm sure there are people listening who are like, man, like, I have imposter syndrome and should I be doing this? No, no, no. I'm not talking about people who are who are struggling with some confidence right now or folks who are scared to death before they make that speech to their to their shareholders or whatever whatever it is, that's normal. I'm talking about if you're doing it for the, to use a, a, an expression from the TV show, The Bachelorette, if you're doing it <laughs> for the right reasons, right? And if you are authentic in your belief in what you're doing, that's what I'm talking about. The, and, and you provide a high quality product, the money will come after that. And that's a, that's a great point, Tyler, it really is.
0: Love it, love it. Okay, your website, I'll put this in the show notes, thinktyler.com. Uh, website is rebelculture.com. I love that domain, rebelculture.com. Anywhere else you want the audience to reach out to if they want to chat with you or connect with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you can email me directly at michael at rebelculture.com. I love to hear from folks. So, so reach out. There's a form on our site to, to contact me as well. Check me out on LinkedIn, Michael Sonbert. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm on all the social media platforms, but, uh, As I just mentioned, I'm probably not the best at it. So check me out at The Other Places first.
0: Awesome, Michael. I feel like I could talk to you. I try to keep these short and snappy. I feel like I could talk to you all day long. You have so much wisdom. So maybe in the future, you can come back.
1: Man, I'd be honored to come back on. I loved it, man. It was a great great time. I appreciate it. Okay, have a great one. Thanks again. You too, man. Thank you. to cast.